Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 12. The Bible says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Did you hear that? All things are lawful to me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. That means whatever is lawful to you defines your expedience. Whatever is lawful for you defines the power you're under. Did you hear that? Whatever is lawful to you defines your expedience. Whatever is lawful for you defines the power that you are under. Remember, he has said, all things are lawful unto me. Those define what is expedient and what's not. And he says, all things are lawful for me. Those ones define the things that you're brought under the power of or not. Praise the Lord. Some things are lawful to you. Some things are lawful for you. Did you get what I just said? In the general sum of things, the four is more general. The two is more personal. Are you hearing me? One of the most beautiful experiences of Christian life is understanding the liberties that you have in Christ. The freedom, the peace that you have in Christ. Um, I always tell people that freedom has a certain way it catches a man to forgetfulness of its price. Some people don't know the price of what it means to be free. It took Jesus Christ. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? It took what? Jesus Christ for you to be free. God had to come in flesh in likeness of a man in form of a servant. He shed his blood. He knew no sin. But the Bible says it becomes the propitiation of our sins. Freedom is expensive. Liberty is expensive. Peace is expensive. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. It's expensive. And that is why everybody, when you come to that understanding, you learn to cherish, you learn to respect, 
you learn to honor, you learn to appreciate, you learn to, to give a certain reverence to the peace, the freedom, and liberty that you have in Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. But also, even in the physical sense, I'm a man with a very, very independent mind. I'm neither for or against. Truly, the Lord knows that. He knows my heart. Um, because in the scheme of things, I've exercised myself to really stay on the side of God. Because I realize I can't be on a side of man except he's on the side of God. You get it? But sometimes, and without being misunderstood, sometimes I look at the sample Uganda and I see that many people in this nation are forgetting the price of freedom. Many people in our nation, this very nation, are forgetting the price that was paid for peace and liberty. I was not around me. I was born in days where they say, are you guys, we are in the born in the wars. And kids who are born in those wars, in the war, in the war times, they say where they are. I don't know that you have noticed. Eh? They have wars. <laughs> but me, as, you know, we were among those kids of the war. But Many of us, sometimes I love to listen to old people. In fact, my closest friends are all older than me. <laughs> I, I love, I love, I just, I don't know how to talk to them. So I just don't know. <laughs> God give me grace. But I love sitting around old people because I'm, I'm a lover of wisdom. And so I sit around and they tell you what was. One time somebody told me that it was impossible for a young girl a few years ago, are you hearing me? To walk from those ginger road lights hmm? and walk that Lugogo bypass and reach the end of it without being stopped to be robbed or, or raped. You understand? You can walk Kampala streets even at 2 a.m. and reach home. That is not cheap. It's not cheap. Praise God. So it's, it's the place where our people can do business. Uh, schools can run. You know, food can come on the table. A man can leave home and you're sure he's going to return back to his home. That is not cheap. Praise God. That is why I am praying so much for our nation. That for everything we keep our peace. We keep our liberty. And we keep the power that allows us simply to be people. Somebody say amen. amen. But anyway, now come to the life of Christianity. Many people do not have an appreciation, a full understanding of what it means to be free. They don't know that it took Christ, God in the flesh, coming down to bear sins that we had, he had not committed. They don't know that there was a full-edged price on our freedom and liberty. And because of that, not many of us really have understanding, firstly, for the liberty that we have in Christ. But our liberty is hemmed in our inheritance. 
Are you hearing me? When you look at what God has done to purchase your eternal salvation, what God has done to save you, what God has done in your life, the full understanding of that is actually the primary understanding of what you and I call liberty, freedom. For whoso the Son sets free, if it is the Son setting free, the Bible says that you shall be free indeed. He says, if the Son, if you have any other way of freedom, that's you. But if you're talking of the freedom of true freedom, you're talking about the son, the freedom of the sonship, Jesus Christ, that one, the Bible says, that person is indeed free. Praise God. But what did God save us from? What liberty did we have? Many people, what is this freedom? That is why later the scriptures tell us, do not use this liberty for vice, because it is possible to abuse that freedom and liberty that you have in Christ. It's very possible. Why? Because it's how the design of liberty and freedom, how it feels to the human souls when you push and stretch the extents of this freedom, you might find yourself in zones and places that are hard to understand fully. But that's what I'm trying to tell you here, that freedom is not cheap. Praise God. Now, when in my primary years of the gospel, when I got to understand God, there was a very constant war in me that ensued for quite some time. But later I gained the mastery of it. I understood how it works. Um, and it's one of those uh, places of self-mastery, right? I've learned that if you can't master the self, you can't master in the world. Did you hear that? If you can't master yourself, you can't master in the world. Mastery has principles which come by reason of use or exercise. And there are about seven of them. When you don't master self, it's hard to master the world. And all of us are a work in progress. You get it? All of us are a work in progress. But the more you win over something, you realize the more somehow there's a way that the, the, the spirit realm rewards you. Are you hearing me? There's a way the spirit realm rewards you when you master certain areas in the self and, and things, certain things which seemed fast start responding to you easier. But things in the spirit realm are exchanged for other things and many things spiritually are translated to physical form. For example, when the Bible says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, and you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, is that the reality? Do you see it even though it has been given you? You understand? When you say every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, what are these spiritual blessings? So there's a lot in the spirit realm that is not physically seen by your eye or easily interpreted by your carnal nature, but it exists for you. It exists for you. It's likened to somebody who tomorrow would send a billion dollars on your account, but they didn't send you a notification and the landlord is chasing you out of the house. 
What do you do? You carry all your stuff and go on the streets. Till somebody says, hey, by the way, you have a billion dollars on the account. What? How did I know that? Right? Now, the difference between this example and what I'm telling you here is that even though we are telling you, you can say, I know the scripture, but do you really know it? I know the scripture, but are you really conscious of it? Is it manifesting in your life? Are you using what's really yours? Are you following what I'm saying? Look what the Bible says, was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for iniquities, just means our peace was upon him, my stripes were healed. Are you really healed? Do you really testify that you're healed? Are you sure you're healed? Are you convinced you were healed? Are you healed? You, you get my point. Is, is there a reality that proves your healing? So transitioning from what you see spiritually to the manifestation of that thing physically is another bold game. It's a place, again, that as Christians we teach. And as you're learning, certain things resonate in your spirit and give you the grace and assurance of those things, but also the manifestation of those things. It is so sad. Um, one time the Lord took me to the end of life, eh? Again, I hate talking about experiences because I don't want to be misunderstood um, because that sometimes propels men of lust to venture into responsibilities <laughs> that men of hunger should venture into because lust and hunger are like the same. But when you go to the end of, of all things, you will be amazed that many people towards the end of their life or after their life are going to be so disappointed one day when they finally understand and come to the full understanding of what was available for them in Christ. It's like how the Bible says, and says, and all of them shall look at you and say, was this the one that tormented the world? That one day people will come to the real reality of understanding who really the devil was. And they'll be so disappointed that they fasted for 40 years, 60 years, separated themselves, breaking, breaking, uprooting, rebuking. You understand? And then some of them will be shocked. Finally, when God tells them, so, you fought the devil all your life, yes, this is the one. People will be like, oh God. You understand? But many it will be late. I have made up my mind to get everything which is in Christ to manifestation in this life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say that is me in the name of Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God. So, I had a war between the understanding that I have in Christ of the things given me. Again, I could quote scriptures given everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Blessed with every spiritual blessing that blessings Christ Jesus. I knew everything, the treasure in earth and vessels that the excellence of power might be of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which I hope or dare to ask or think according to the working power that worketh in me. He told me that as a peculiar person, a, a generation, a royal priesthood, that I might set forth the praises of his glory who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I knew I could read, I could, I could think, I could understand them in the way men understand it. 
Oh, for we know uh, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who though he was poor, but made him who though was rich, but made himself poor, that um, for your sakes, that through his poverty uh, you might be rich. I read all that. I know may he was made sin, who knew no sin, that we being dead unto sins might live unto righteousness, and by his stripes were healed. I knew all of that. If you're talking of the reality of scripture, I could quote it, claimed to understand it to a certain level. Are you following what I'm saying? But I always connected this to my individual reality. And I could see that there was a huge disconnect between what I claim to know and confess and where I'm at. And I believe many people in this room have had that question in their head. Why, God, why? You understand? And I discovered that later on, as I was exercising myself, I started to realize the problem was not this stuff. The problem was not this stuff. If the message I was receiving was right, if the word I was reading was true, and I, you know, because again, there's people who probably are are off because of the message they are preached to. They are preached simple stuff or stuff that is generally off the course of truth or some are not even taught at all. They just go to church like a shrine where they just want somebody to speak in their lives and say something and then they go back home and then the next week they come to hear what they are telling them about their lives. You understand? But what about Christ? Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? Some are so selfish that they want to hear what is about their lives, but many of them are detached from who Christ is. And yet in Christ is their true identity. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? You can't run away from revelation. And if you do what? It will still stare at you in the face, the sure word of prophecy. <laughs> the light that shines in darkness until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Praise God. That's the word of God. That is why we teach the way we teach. Praise God. Some of you think you need prayers. No. You don't need a special prayer. You need the word. Because this thing created everything you see. If you have faith that you can't sink in the ground, this thing created it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, there was a huge disconnect between what I know in God and where I'm at. The problem was mastery, me, the self. Like I said, there are seven principles of self-mastery, but I'll share one of them. Now, I'll give you an example. Recently, we were talking about the power of thought. Um, how many of you know a man called Stephen Hawkins? Stephen Hawkins is among the most influential men of the 21st century, okay? He's, um, he's, I mean, he's amazing. There's something about him scientifically that is just amazing. But for those of you who know him, he got a degenerative what? Disease. And so it, it messed up every part of his body. I don't know what they call it. I don't know what doctors call it. I'm not a doctor. But all we know is many of his parts of the body were impaired. So he was not able to do a lot, right? And so they designed this machine for him that would ably give him ability to talk. 
And if you have read about it, you realize that he gets to a point where he could talk by sending signals through his cheek, right? So his cheek, in fact, when you see him, you'd see the lips moving like that. But really, through that cheek, he would form sentences and words and through certain logarithms communicate to this wonderful invention. I don't know its name, but through that, Steve Hawkins was able to have a voice. You understand? So he communicated through the moving of his cheek. But how then that connects to certain words and connects conversations, that is science that is interesting to read about. But a certain scientist saw that, and then he gets the idea and thinks and said, can't I create something? At least this one can move his, right, his cheek. But there are people who are paralyzed all through, and yet their brains are working. Can't I create something that can pick information directly from the human brain? And so they are working or have worked on something. It is probably in its earlier stages. It was tested recently and it was short to be working but needs a few patches and improvements here and there. But in a few years to come, it is something that probably will be patented and consequently be used in, in, in normal day things, majorly they say, for the medical line, for people, for example, who are paralyzed all through and can't do anything, can't communicate with anything, they will be still able to communicate from their mind. So what this thing does is they dress it on your head, right? Connect a few things on your head and it's able to pick thoughts. It's able to pick what? Thoughts. I know many of you don't know where I'm going. It's able to pick thoughts and translate these thoughts into words or sentences to interpret everything that the mind thinks. Now, if by science they can pick something from your brain, right, and that brain can be translated to speech, it means your mind speaks. Now, some of you have mastered the art of confessing with your mouth. I refuse this. I refuse that. I castle. It cannot happen in Jesus' name. You see, that's your mouth speaking. But before your mouth speaks, if science has proved that the intent of thought, the intent of thought can provoke language and be translated into words, it means that you speak in your mind before you speak with your mouth. So some of you probably are not confessing negatively with your mouth, but your brains are confessing negatively. Did you understand what I just said? So that's why he says, for as a man thinking, so he is. Because your thought pattern is a confession in the spirit realm. Now, look at someone who has learned to confess right. Then they say, Apostle, I'm feeling good. But they're actually telling you, I'm not feeling good. But then their thought, they're not feeling good. So they, their mind is saying, I'm not feeling good. But their mouth is trying to confess right, which is good. Now, the place of your mind really is where now the warfare is. You understand? And bringing every thought 
to the obedience of Christ, casting down imaginations. You cast down imaginations and bringing every thought to the obedience of Christ. You have to use your tongue. You see something negative, you say, I refuse it. What are you trying to do? You're trying to take your mind back to where it's supposed to be, that your thought is in submission to Christ. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? Now, Kenneth Hagin taught this, this man of God. He said that he said something very powerful. He said, you might not stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can refuse it from building a nest. Now, I believe he meant thoughts, right? A thought comes and tells you, eh, nay, woman, even though you are blessed and what and rich, but look at your money, look at your pocket, look at your shoe. Look at the landlord. That's a thought, right? And then the bird comes and sits on your head and starts building nests. Look at your family. All of you are poor. Look at your cousin's sister. All of you are poor. Choka, your mother last week, her shop burned. It is building a, a what? A nest. Are you hearing me? Then it starts to lay eggs. I think you see in the future. Where do you think you're going? It lays another egg. If you don't get a rich man, where are you going? Then it continues another egg. You understand what I'm saying? By the way, if you don't get a job, ah, yeah, yeah, you're gone. Then it lays other eggs. Then those eggs hatch. Are you hearing? Then those chicks fall. Because they can't fly. Then they try to fly again. And when they fly, they also fly over you and put another <laughs> So there are people who are walking like this. But in the spirit realm, they are full of nests and birds and eggs <laughs> of negative everything is in you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Some of you, when you imagine something, you go deep. You separate everything. You understand? You put the neuron here and the atom. You, you go deeper into nanoparticles and dig deeper into the black hole you go even there put light where there is darkness by the time you're done your trees full of nests and eggs and birds and next and birds and everything birds do on trees it's on your head did you understand what I just said so Kenneth was trying to say a thought can come tell you but now sister look where you are versus scripture yes it has come see it go are you hearing but some of you even when it goes you chase it <laughs> comes back 3am you're up thinking what am I going to do Psalms 127 he grants sleep to those he loves while you are awake at 3am thinking about a car, a house, money, jobs, whose band, wife, wife, I mean. Why are you up at night thinking about something? You got, you chased the bird and told him, no, you don't belong on that tree. You belong here. I'll, I'll, I'll make you comfortable. I'll keep you from rain. You shelter your thoughts. Are you hearing me? Before you know that someone is in church like this dancing, eh? but you see birds are flying. <laughs> So every time you're shaking your head, they're flying off, are you hearing me? But when they say, everybody just raise your hands, they come and rest. 
Did you get what I just said? They come and rest. And they sit there. Then at night when you sleep, they also fold themselves like this and then they start sleeping. When you learn to master yourself, you develop a consciousness void of offense toward God and man. Because every time you think you're poor, you are offending God. Are you hearing me? That is why we have failed to deal with the world. That's why we have failed to get the world out of church. Because the compromises of the world come in when we start to look for shortcuts and short fixes to provide for our insecurities, for our inefficiencies, for our weaknesses, for our troubles, for our tumults, for our dissatisfactions, whatever this it is, whether it's this is disquiet, this whatever, disqualification, anything that is this. Now, why am I giving you this example? It is because every time you go into the realm of humanness, humanity, the way men think, your consciousness to humanity sort of robs you of the liberty that you ought to have in Christ. Or when that liberty comes, you have a misguided, misinterpreted, misunderstood, misrepresented idea about this liberty and freedom. 1 Corinthians 6 is talking about liberty. When I say all things are lawful to me, I have access to them. That's liberty. That's freedom. When I say these things are lawful for me, those are freedom and liberty accessible for me. But we have, don't have the full understanding. Let me give you one thought. There is nothing, anybody who is not born again in the world has over you. Nothing. Nothing. There are people in the world whose works I appreciate, whose thoughts I appreciate, whose ethics I appreciate, whose applications I appreciate, but I don't admire anybody in the world. No one, none. There is nobody I look at in the world and say, I wish I was. Nobody. Because I have understood what it means to have an inheritance incorruptible. I have understood what it means not to be born of flesh or blood, but to be born of the spirit. I know how expensive I was born. Smell yourself and say, Woo, great price. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? I know what it took God to put Lubega Grace on the face of the earth. Put your name. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are of the royal priesthood. You are of the children of God. You are a partaker of the divine nature. You have escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into light. There is nothing anybody outside the kingdom has that I can admire. There is nobody outside the kingdom that is better than you. That's a consciousness. 
But you see, it cannot go in the brain of a man who has nests and eggs because your thought is carnal. In fact, if they compare, you have to be bold to tell them, don't even compare. Don't even compare. Don't even compare. Don't even compare. It cannot be compared at all to the glory that you have in Christ. To the price of knowing him. It can't. So, you will look at people and say, oh, Oh, I admire this person. Admire them for what? What do they have? Walk big. Walk tall. Know who you are. The Bible says it's not wrong to boast in your faith. Uh-uh. He says ways are boasting, seven faith. It is false humility to see a man of the world and then you coil around him. Sir, Bill Gates. No. That when I do it only for men of God, because I know they are connected to where I'm connected to. I only own, I only own as spiritual officers. The rest I respect, but there's a certain honor I attach to men or women who know God a certain way. Because that is the thing that the world needs. I don't admire anything, anything. I'm so free. I don't look at them. You know, I've seen even Christians looking at public figures who are not born again and they're like this, they're even star-stricken. <laughs> oh my God, come in. Oh my God. Oh. You understand? And you're like... Popular celebrities, artists, movie actors, you know, funny faces. <laughs> and then you see people like, <laughs> oh God, you don't know who you are. No. The Bible didn't say celebrities will pass and you say, let us hold on you and say, you know. The Bible says, 10 shall come and hold on your lapel and say, let us go with you for God is with you. Yes, they have money. But God is with you. Yes, they have influence in the world. But God is with you. They cannot compare anywhere to what is upon you. But if I, so when I see a Christian fascinated over worldly artist, I'm like, wow. Yeah, thank you, darling. Somebody says, really? Yes, really. Let me tell you, I know that the primary uh, need of humanity is approval because many of you want to be approved, right? And some of these things, in a way, make you feel a certain way and accepted and what? So there's a way humanity is. Are you hearing me? But when you become born again, your approval is God. When you become born again, you stop looking for celebrity status. Why? Because you're already a celebrity. 
by virtue of the fact that you're a possessor of God. The Bible says, for as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now picture this, that the whole world is full of darkness. You're the only thing lighting. Hey, glory. Now, but you've been deceived into trying to become celebrities. No, you are already, you're already up there. You're an epistle, the Bible says, known, known, and read by a few men, by a few men. No, he says, ye are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. That means, whether you know it or not, the whole world knows you. Somebody one time asked me of a certain name of a, a, a famous person in the world. He asked me, do you know so-and-so? I said, mm, a little, but I'm sure he knows me very well. <laughs> well where did you find him? Where did they find you? <laughs> so I see where they were asking me from. I told them, don't worry, you ask them, do they in Apostle Grace Lubega? <laughs> so I left it at that. Why? Because I'm the epistle of Christ. I'm known by all men. I'm read by all men. That's two. This is one thing to know how you're known, but it's also important to know how you're read. Coin. You get it? So, how are you read? How do men read you? Do they read you like a survivor, third world citizen, Ugandan guy who is surviving on the streets and needs aid? That's them. Ah, that's not me. I'm free. Somebody shout hallelujah. You don't need to make yourself known. You know, people say, you know, everywhere you are, you have to make yourself known. You have to make a statement that stands out for who you are. That's how the world does it. That's not what we do. Do I have a Facebook account? Go look for my picture on Facebook and see how many people I'm on profiles of and statuses and talking, this man, this man. Am I on Twitter? Am I on Instagram? Periscope? Skype? Nothing. Lubega Grace is not there. But, Karabakata. I never signed in, but men signed in. I never invited, but men <laughs> welcome themselves. Are you hearing me? The platforms are growing every day. They are watching a man who they can't communicate to directly because Facebook needs me. I don't need Facebook. Instagram needs me. One time a man of God told me, you know, Apostle, you need Facebook to grow. Oh, I told him 80% of the world churches are below 200 members. And almost 50% of those have Facebook pages. You can have YouTube videos and have two views. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Just build your inner man. Rakata kasakata la payeketelepa. Rabakata kaya rabakasakata ya pare. Rubo sokotobayaka. You will see. They will turn their attention because 
everyone in darkness looks for where light is. Somebody shout hallelujah. Put your hand on your head and say I'm the light of the world. The glory of God is upon me. The world looks to me. To the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do you believe it? Oh, a certain bird just came and said, but no. Just shake your head off and say, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, why am I, see, why am I talking about that? Because if you're not free to that extent, you'll always find yourself in the things that are not expedient because with those inexpedient things that you'll engage in, for you, you'll think they'll add value and purpose to you. You will think that those are the things that give you power, yet indeed they put themselves, you under their power. You understand? I was raised with a guy back home. He was a neighbor. Now this kid was raised in a poor family. You know, family was not well-to-do. I knew him. He, my mom taught him in her school. So was, I knew the guy. So he got a little money, little, little money. And when he got a little money, a little amount of money, one time I was coming out of our, my father's gate. It's coming out. He had gotten a little money. I saw the guy in a gym. He was, he was doing gym during that time, so he had the muscle. And he was putting on a, jack, a, a, a vest. You know, those vests that show muscles. Eh? Eh? And then he was holding a beer in his hands. And the normal boy who used to walk normal, he was walking like this. <laughs> so, as I'm going out of the gate, I find him. He says to me, he's like, eh. <laughs> Can you believe that? This buddy who says, what's up, how are you doing? No, eh. That picture has never left me. <laughs> Even in my old age, I will remember. Because <laughs> let me tell you why it never left me. <laughs> During that time I was hearing God. <laughs> so I go back home. I did what I did. I came back home that evening. You shouldn't have stayed. But while in my personal prayer with God, the Lord told me, have you asked yourself what was swelling that young man? <laughs> I said, God told me, look at it. He went to a gym, so he built physical muscle. Got some money. And matured enough in the laws of the land to be able to take beer. So at that time, beer was lawful for him. Because a 15 year old can't, a 14 year old can't walk with beer in their hands, according to the law of this nation, isn't it? But this one was what? Above 18. You understand? And so, the laws of the land that grant him to take beer gave him a certain what? 
I met him last year. This thing I'm telling you happened about 10 years ago. I met him last year. The muscle had left. I don't know where the muscle went, but the world has a way of You understand? So the world had squeezed him. He was in an oversized shirt. Oversized shirt. And he was walking in cheap sandals and jeans, but this time without a beer. And he asked me for money. He said, can you give me some food to eat? Went into my pocket. I gave him what to eat. Because now he cannot afford a what? A beer. But it was lawful for him at a particular point, though not expedient. It's like when I look at Christians who say, you know me, um, you, you go in the Bible. It's like I, I, I travel a lot, right? But I find, it's different from here, Uganda, of course. But I find Christians, they indulge in drinking so easily. One time I was in Hong Kong, I went for a conference. After that, we were supposed to have dinner. And then these guys got drunk. By the time, you know, you know how to tell someone is high, the voice raises. I think somehow they feel they're not being heard or they're not hearing themselves. I don't know what happens. We started talking about Apostle, that was a nice someone, what, what, what. It's very good. Wow, we're talking. But after like two hours of throwing up wine, next thing I hear, everything was spoken on top. You understand? So I said to look at these guys and I'm like, no, but you see, if you say in the Bible, is it wrong to drink? Can you quote me a scripture that refuses drink? Hmm? It's not there. You can't say that drink is not lawful. And I've seen even Christians who say, ah, me, I can't drink. It's okay. Lawful? Expedient? Lemuel's mother told him, it is not for kings to drink wine, no princes. Now, if you're talking about the kingly anointing, if you're talking about the kingly anointing, if you're just the average Christian who wants to stay normal, but you love God, you'll go to heaven. But if you're talking about the responsibility of the kingly anointing, who has heard what I said? If you're talking about the responsibility of the kingly anointing, if you're going to lead the park, if you know that the responsibility on your life is over men, pastor, bishop, evangelist. And the next line says, least they forget the law and pervert judgment of any of the afflicted. Because they might need me to perform when I'm not able. Yet I'm supposed to be ready to preach the gospel in and out of season. Because of my responsibility, it's not expedient. He told Lemuel, give drink to him that is bitter at heart and him that is ready to die. So if you're in the drinking class, are you ready to die? 
If you are, take it. Oh, are you bitter? Yes. Come for deliverance. Come and we deal with the bitterness. Because when you think you're feeling it, you're feeling yourself. But what are you feeling yourself with? To comfort your bitterness only for a moment. And the next moment, hangover, bitterness comes back. What are you bitter about? Do you know there are people who are bitter? And when you have a spirit of bitterness, there's many things you can do. Do you know there are people who wake up annoyed? The guy just wakes up. He's like, what's up? Tell him good morning. What have I done to you? Do you need to do anything to me? I knew a guy like that. Good morning, he refuses one thing. Good morning, he refuses. Good morning, nothing. He cuts away up to midday. When the sun comes up, the, sun, the joy comes back. Goes to, to bed, you're smiling. Next day, oof. Now when that one touches wine, you separate them in rehab. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, expedient, lawful. There are many things that are lawful. They are okay. But as you grow in God, you receive the primary sanctification, which is of the spirit and to obedience. As you go into the secondary and third or fourth places of sanctification in the spirit, you start to realize wisdom starts to hit on your door to tell you, separate the expedient from the permissible. Separate the lawful from the things you're both under the power of. Yes, it's okay for me to watch TV, but am I under the power of TV? You know, there are people, if they don't switch on television, they can die. It's, I've seen people who go off internet for two hours and they start looking sick. They start exhibiting all the symptoms of addiction. Why? What's up? I'm not on WhatsApp. I'm not on Facebook. Can you lend me money? Now what's the difference between you <laughs> and the guy who says, oh, can you give me some money? That's, that's, that's the same thing. You're just addicted to internet. Someone says, I lost my phone and you, they have died. Then you ask, why? My WhatsApp conversation. The stuff you had conversations all four years ago doesn't even matter. You're just keeping data. Even some of the friends you, you don't, they've even left expedient zone. Now they're in the unlawful. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Now, I want to finish. Jesus, in John, he walks into a temple and he finds the temple of God full of all manner of transaction. Begin probably from verse 13. Now, he says the Passover was at hand. And so he goes into Jerusalem. And give me the message Bible of that. The Bible says, when the Passover feast celebrated each spring by the Jews was about to take end, Jesus traveled up to Jerusalem. Now the next verse says, he found the temple teeming with people. They were selling cattle, sheep, doves, the lone sharks were also there in full strength. And the Bible says in the next verse, and 
Jesus put together a wipe out of strips of leather and chased them out of the temple, stampeding the sheep cattle, appending the tables of the lawn sharks, spilling the coins left, right, and center. And the Bible says, and he told the dove merchants, get your things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a shopping mall. And the next verse says, that's when the disciples remember the scripture, the zeal of your house consumes me. Now, I'm, I'm a pictorial person, so everything that, I, that is spoken, I play the movie. Now, I want you to go forward and enter that temple and see what Jesus is doing in there. And imagine guys selling cows on one corner, guys selling sheep on one corner, guys selling doves in another corner, lawn sharks are in there, bring my money, give me my money. For exchange are here. Like everything is in there. Like people transact. It's like a market, literally. It's the, 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 the house of God had become a shopping mall. Now, the disciples realize that this man has a zeal for the house of God. But what was the zeal? Now, I want you to get this image. Imagine this experience I've told you to put there was a movie you were watching. And let's get Jesus out of the equation. Let's get his, his disciples and his purpose out of the equation. Let's get out, everybody out. And now, let's say we had a camera that had been set in the temple. Are you there with me now? Are you watching the movie? Right? Let's rewind this movie. You understand? So, but let's rewind the old way. You know, how many of you remember the VC tapes, eh? Video cassette? they were really beautiful in defining the word rewinding or forwarding. If you miss a certain part of the movie, the man literally does it. You remember that? You see a car going like, she's standing on the Standing, but it's doing reverse, right? And there's a play. Then, or forward. The car starts moving, right? So, I want you to get that picture in an old VCD and video cassette eh? decoder, video cassette decoder. Eh? Put it here. Put on your old, our old TVs that used to have. <laughs> if you rewind, you will see the point where the dove guy lives. You'll see the point where the loan shark lives. I believe the loan sharks exist to learn people to trade. Then the dove guy leaves. The sheep guys leave. The cow guys leave. Oxen guys leave. Temple is still clean, but there is a priest. Priest before this priest. Keep the house of God. Priest before the priest who tells the priest to keep the house. Keep the house of God. Priest before the priest before the priest who tells the priest to keep God's house. Keep the house of God. Now people think that one priest blew it up. No. It's not one priest who blew it up. 
it was a series of every generation of priesthood accepting the lawful yet not expedient. As they continue to accept the lawful yet not expedient, it stopped to be revelationally relational. It started to become transactionally relational. And so, God became transactional, not revelationally relational. But it was priest upon priest, generation upon generation, and before we knew it, at the end of the day, it became what began in a man's heart many years ago when he chose to transact where it was not expedient, yet was lawful. Am I communicating? You see, sometimes I switch on Christian television and I see the transactions. Ours are not even the other far. Now it is clear. The gospel has become so commercial that some of us now have started to look like we don't know ministry. You switch on, someone is either selling a food supplement or selling a meal on Christian television. You get it? Someone is either selling a miracle. A certain man of God met a guy and told him, you have sowed seeds for your miracle. Now I provoke your spirit by God to sow seed for your wonder. <laughs> Christians, Panangi, people, <laughs> you have sowed seeds for miracles. Now I provoke you. Sow a seed for your wonder. Do you mean? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Paul said, I met the gospel of no charge. He said, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. It doesn't mean men did not bless him. It only means he did not place a charge for blessing. He did not place a charge for honor. I've written letters to certain ministers, no, one or two, and they said, for me to come, you have to first place this honorarium, half of it first. I've said it. When somebody tells you, no, for me to come to your church, you have to firstly place this amount of honorarium then if you've put it there, then I know that you're serious. Listen, to know my seriousness, you need to ask God. Honorarium doesn't tell you anything. God is supposed to tell you whether the man who has invited you is serious or not. We've gone to churches and we ended up giving more than they'll ever give us. You're all witnesses. We've bought iron sheets, windows for churches, land for churches, properties. You understand? I'm not saying that to boast. I'm only trying to tell you I'm not saying that 
you don't give honor. Your heart, the Bible says in Galatians 6, 6, that he is distorted in the word, should communicate to his teacher in all good things. That's a principle. But that's upon you to bless those who bless you. It's not supposed to be Pastor Zach placing a charge on you to say, bless me. You understand? I'm not boasting about it, but nobody in this room can say, I have ever stood on this pulpit and made a personal need. Not to even anyone individually. I can't call and say, you know, now I'm traveling, you know, tickets. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> it's lawful. You can't muzzle the ox that treads out the what? The hay. Right? So at, at a particular point, it could be lawful for you to bless me. You understand? But it's another thing for me to put charge and impose. By God, I might not be so wrong, but I will abuse a certain power in my life. Lawful. Expedient. Now, a man is under the power of honorarium that if you don't put half of that pay, he does not come to your church. Let him stay there. But I will not transact God. I should not transact God. You understand what I'm saying? Now in the church, people get into it when they already know. We are buying this. One time some guy invited me, we're going to invite you then, we're going to recollect this much, then we'll give you this percentage. Let's negotiate which percentage are you taking. I told the guy, me, Rebecca Grace, and he, yes. I just walked away. I think he got the message. Because... How am I transacting the anointing? This thing is expensive to be transacted. Now, this is money. Going to relationship. Going to children. Going to business. Going to career. Going to many things. You realize that not many carry the wisdom to tell the difference between the permissible and the beneficial or the lawful and the expedient. So God won't say you're wrong, but you've abused a certain power in the spirit realm. The spirit realm has a limitation on how it will respond to you. There's a reason why we don't fundraise in service. But boy, you guys give. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you never separate the permissible from the beneficial, the lawful from the expedient, you will not enter a certain grace and authority in the spirit, which is important beyond the gifts. Praise God. May God give you understanding. Every year, I go through my phone book and I classify lawful, lawful but not expedient, unlawful unlawful and unexpedient every year I revisit my phone book why? because there are people not in a bad way but there are people I don't need to keep their number they need me, they call me, they explain what they want, I pray for them, they stay in their zone because I don't want to be corrupted you get it? are you following what I'm trying to tell you? 
Some of you, you have bumen in your phones. They are bringing you too much trouble for nothing. Go home and delete that kanamba. Firstly, the kaga is unlawful. He's, he's a Sulaiman. You understand? He's called Sulaiman. He's called Muhammad. And you're speaking in tongues. Go in the phone. Press Muhammad. Let it be highlighted. Select. Delete. Why? Because you don't need Muhammad or Sulaiman. You understand? He might not understand. It's okay. You have Jesus. That one was your boy before even Muhammad came. This one has never left you. Are you hearing me? And his yoke is lighter. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Me, there are people I look at in my phone book and I'm like, but this one. Unless. Not in a bad way. I love everybody. No, God has called us to love everybody. But who is beneficial? Some of you, everyone has your WhatsApp. Everyone has your Facebook. Like you're open to the world. Close up a bit. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? It's not offensive for you to know the things that are beneficial and those that are not. There are things you should examine yourself about and say, but God, okay, is this relationship lawful or unlawful? If it's lawful, is it in the expedient ones or it's among those ones? There are some who are lawful and have kept because they are relatives. They are, I'm obligated to my relatives. Are you understanding me? And some of those people who need me and I need by virtue of certain things. But if they're not expedient, you understand? But exercise yourself to all of these things and examine your life and throw out what's, what's unlawful and also deal with the lawful but not expedient. You'll be amazed the world will deal kindly with you the spirit realm will start responding to you with responsibility. The spirit realm will start to respect you because you're respecting yourself and your time. The spirit realm will start to bring people who think like you. They always say you're the average of the five people you hang around with. That's true. Get out of certain groups, Bernard. There are certain people you just need to respectfully, lovingly, yes, invite them for service, love them, reach out to them for service. But if they disconnect and say, me, I'm not interested in your God, then what are you doing in their club? If a man can't honor your altar from where you eat, you will eat from his. If you don't honor the altar you eat from, what are we doing? Why are we even wasting time? Because my altar is my life. This altar has blood on it. Jesus died for it. Hey, raise your hands and speak to God. The steadfast love of the Lord never sees. His mercies never will come to an end.
Tell God I have had your word. I thank you for everything that you've spoken in my life. Tell him, God, I receive the wisdom that you've spoken. Tell him, God, I am learning and I'm growing. I'm a process, but I'm a work by faith that you are completing every day, even as I am completed by grace to separate the expedient from the lawful to know the things that are lawful for me but also not to be brought under the power of any I receive that wisdom that understanding that revelation and my life changes in Jesus mighty name somebody shout hallelujah anybody if you've not given your life to Christ I want to pray for you. Those of you who want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you feel that the words you've heard tonight, the things you've seen tonight, the things God has spoken to you tonight require you to give your life to Jesus. Repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I accept your Lordship in my life. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.